I am Allison McCaig, and this is episode 29. I am joined once again by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Serovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison, and happy birthday. Thank you. Yes, listeners, today is indeed my birthday. Um, So, yay, that's nice. (laughs) And I am also joined by Maggie Wiggin. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Allison, and also happy birthday. Thank you. I think it's a very nice, um, you know, just aesthetically nice that it's uh, October 29th and it is episode 29. That just makes me happy inside. Um, Ooh, that is nice. Yeah. Um, But yeah, folks, it's been a while since we've been in your feeds because we thought to ourselves, oh, you know, we'll just do a rotational schedule in the off season where we record every other week because things can't possibly happen that much, right? Well, you know. Womp womp. (laughs) (laughs) A lot has happened since we have joined you all in your earbuds last, and we'll get to a lot of that in the second half of the show. Um, But in the first half of the show, we'll talk about the uh, Mets managerial search, which in comparison to all of the events in the rest of baseball has moved at an absolutely glacial pace. And since we last recorded, not much has happened. Yeah, like legit nothing has happened except for apparently 800,000 managerial interviews. They're in round 75. Like they've eliminated nobody except for Jardy who got hired. Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) it's like wild, but in a very unwild way. Yeah, I felt yeah. really proud of myself because today I um, copied the um, the viral tweet of like Joe Buck, welcome to the top of the forty seventh. Sun rises, sun keeps getting bigger. Oh God, yes, tweet, and I just that made it. Nice <laughs> welcome to and- the Andy Martino. Welcome to the forty seventh round of Mets managerial interviews. Sun rises, sun keeps getting bigger. Oh God, yes, <laughs> world engulfed <Yeah>. in flames. <laughs> I mean, my question is. Once we're all officially managerial candidates, then who's going to interview? And because eventually, like, whoever's on that interviewing team will also be looped into a round of interviews. (laughs) And it's it's like that. uh, It's like that mathematical contradiction of like the barber shaves every man in town who doesn't shave himself. So who shaves the barber? Like who's going to interview you <laughs> yeah. once there are officially 7 billion managerial candidates? Yeah. Oh I'm man. Oh we're man. going to get stuck in some sort of like time warp loop where like everybody's just interviewing each other and like we repeat for the rest of eternity and we just like never leave this weird, like rip in the time space continuum that we've created. Well, and also would even they have eliminated anybody? Like, Girardi would probably still be a candidate if he didn't accept the job elsewhere. Yeah. So the the needle literally has not moved since they the last time. They um, eliminated Skip Schumacher, I think, only got one interview. Phew! And, yeah, right? Um, Small victories. I think they eliminated, I think Luis Rojas is, like, no longer being considered. But wasn't, didn't Martino say, like, DeFrancesca, somebody interviewed, who was it today? Yeah, yeah, DeFrancesco? 
Yes. I mean, well, the so old- I don't know if that qualifies as bombshell, but I doubt it. I will say there is literally no human being under consideration right now who I would consider bombshell by any no. definition. Um, but I don't know, the overwhelming feeling I get from this is that they just have no idea what they want, yep. like none whatsoever. And that's uh, not great. They had kind of a while to think about that. Um, I know what I would look for in a manager and nobody's paying me to figure it out. So like I get casting a wide net. You don't want to limit yourself because there might be a good candidate that you just might not come across otherwise. But at the same time, make a freaking decision. Yeah. Right now, I think so. The people other than like these random. So like so De Francesco was a new one that popped up today. Like every single goddamn day, there's a new person, too. It's not just like mystery oh, candidate. Yeah, they keep doing rounds of interviews. It's like every round of interviews they do, there's like a new guy that comes up and it's like, this is his third interview. It's like, well, we didn't even know about his first interview, but fine. Um, yeah. Wait, so who like, was the random? The, was it Murphy? Pat Murphy. Who's yes. In the Brewers organization. So like he was a random that came up. So like he's, I guess, around. And then like Tony DeFrancesco interviewed, who's the AAA manager, he interviewed... Um, I just sort of feel like mystery candidate should be reserved for people I care about. <laughs> right? These these should be the rules. Someone petition Major League and Baseball. Also, you might ask yourself, how would the Mets know that I don't care about Pat Murphy? They know. They know. <laughs> they know. And they definitely know. So, yeah, it's those two guys are like the mystery candidates that popped out of nowhere. But as far as guys we already knew about that are still in the mix. Derek Shelton got a third interview. Carlos Beltran got a third interview. Eduardo Perez got a third interview. And Tim Bogart got, Tim Bogart got a third interview. So it's a lot of people still in the mix. Whereas other teams were kind of like, like the Phillies were like, eh, we interviewed two other guys and Joe Girardi sounds like Joe Girardi. The angels were like, we want Joe Madden. Here you go, Joe Madden. It's like every other team like seems to know yeah, the what they Cubs. want. Yeah, and the Padres hired some rando. Like, okay, yeah. sure, well, you do you, Padres. Well, the Padres just like to hire like dudes who are friends with their GM. So that's, that's true. Like, what I will say, there. if the Mets' goal with the with just the incredible like never endingness of this entire process if their goal is to get everyone to say i just don't even care who the manager is then job well done mets because legit i do not care pick a manager let's move on yeah Yeah, and like how much power does the manager really have these days not at all um yeah, because I feel like it's somebody that they want who they can, 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 can control, if I can speak, um, since they did, there was a recent athletic article that said Baird was a regular visitor in Callaway's office, and they talked about the bullpen regularly. So that shows how involved this front office wants to be. Yep. So, um, yeah, so I feel like you know, they do say you go in a complete 180 from the last person you hired, but I don't know if that's the case here because a first-time manager would probably rely on the front office more than, like, a Dusty Baker or a Buckshow Walter would. Yeah, usually after you have a 
completely failed managerial hire who was a first-time manager, you'd want to have a little bit of a more experienced hand at the helm. But the Mets don't actually want that. They want a mouthpiece for ownership. So it seems like pretty much all these candidates are, you know, that can be that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I don't know. Like, Beltran would be fun, but I just... You know, you don't, don't want, want to him to see sully it. himself. Exactly. That's what it is. It would, I mean, he already, like, people already have a bad taste in their mouth, justified or not, with Beltran, and people always end up hating the manager. And does he really want to go through that again with this organization? I just feel like he can do better. Yeah. Yeah, he, he really can. I mean, like, he was seriously considered for the Yankees job before they hired Boone. Like, that would have been a nice gig for him, but... I don't know. He clearly, like, Beltran clearly really wants to manage. Like, that much is clear. Like, I think he actually really does want to manage. And But he refused to interview, except for with the Mets, and I think one other person. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think he would have, like, I think if the Yankees had offered him yeah. their position, he would have taken it. I think he just wants, like, even though obviously there's a fraught relationship between him and Fred Wilpon, I mean, uh, Jeff Wilpon, it's not so much as with Fred, and, like, also I think he probably gets along with, like, other people in the Mets organization, like Terry Hollins, for example, Omar Minaya, especially. Um, so, like, are it's... we sure Terry Collins isn't the mystery candidate? Yeah, right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, tell me right now <laughs> that he's not at least like a 50th percentile option. <laughs> I'm not saying is. he's a, I'm, I'm just saying, like, of the universe of candidates, he's. He's right there in the middle. That is that the that worst is where we outcome. are at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. And it's a, it, like, and I would put it, I mean, like, I'm not saying that the chances that we're making jokes here. I'm not saying that the chances that Terry Collins is the mystery candidate are high, but they're not zero. Let's no. be real. <laughs> they're not zero. <laughs> um, I mean, he's still kicking around the organization, so you never know. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, yeah. With, with Beltran, I just think he, like, you know, obviously he has the fraught relationship with ownership, but he does have friends that are still with the Mets. Um, and I think that he just, he, he clearly wants an organization that he had a previous relationship with. Um, he doesn't want to just, like, you know, manage any old team and just, like, start from scratch. He clearly wants to build on existing relationships. So, you know, whatever, good for him. I, yeah, I I agree that it would suck to have like more blame Beltran narratives that would be like endlessly tiring but I just don't want to find myself blaming Beltran yeah yeah Yeah. but at this point it's kind of like Beltran or like one of these like mediocre white dudes and I'm like do I really want yeah yeah it's like a lot seems to be leaking out about Bogar yeah I think he's like the ownership favorite that's what I'm afraid of too like because isn't it lot- Andy Martino writing all about Tim Bogar all the time? I know Puma was. Yeah. Puma had quite a few about him, and it might have been Martino. Yeah. Really? Her? What, is she <laughs> funny or something? <laughs> yeah. You know, I tweeted that exact same thing to Vaz the other day. <laughs> Her? Her? 
Oh, oh yeah, Puma asked to eat Adam Eaton about Tim Bogart today. Like, who cares? Oh, and Pat Murphy. The takes are coming on Pat oh, Murphy. Oh, that's right. Too. And Adam Eaton was like, he threw baseballs to my kid. And I'm like, that's not really, like, <laughs> that, that's not what makes a good manager. But that's nice. I like Thanks, it. Adam Eaton. Pay your mortgage. <laughs> yeah, worry about paying your mortgage first before weighing in on the on the managerial just, update. I think he'll do just fine with all the postseason shares. Yeah, right. True. <laughs> oh true. wait, here here was a good one from Puma. Brewers bench coach Pat Murphy, who's received multiple managerial interviews from the Mets, has been described to me as get this, and I quote, a younger version of Terry Collins. <laughs> I want to die. This, I womp wanna, womp. There it is again. In the worst timeline. <laughs> it was it was funny because today i tweeted that all i wanted for my birthday was for the mets managerial search to be over and like a couple of people made the very good point of being like allison be very careful what you wish for Mm -hmm. like good point twitter for once you you have made a good point thank you please tell me you didn't blow out your birthday candles yet (laughs) no i have not i don't think that this birthday is going to involve candles in any fashion it involved lots of nice things but candles was not and candles were not involved so we don't have to worry about um jinxes yeah because i've seen liar liar and what the power of a birthday wish can do (laughs) (laughs) no this was just a birthday wish tweet i'm not sure that that counts Although it is something that I've put out into the world, so. You're supposed to keep birthday wishes to yourself or they won't come true. Yeah, so, I mean, this day is almost over and the the manager is clearly far from decided, so I don't think it's coming true anyway. Um, (laughs) So we might be safe. Yep. (laughs) So um, I think there are a couple of, you know, you if you want to call them interesting nuggets, other than the fact that this is, like, never-ending to talk about with this managerial search. One of them is obviously the obvious, like if you want to call it missing out on Joe Girardi, like, I don't know. It depends on your perspective, whether it counts as missing out. Right. Um, But like, it's, it's telling that like the Mets had this guy that was very different from all the other candidates that they were interviewing. It was like the only one with any experience. And it was like the one prestige candidate, I guess you could call it, regardless of how you actually feel about his managerial philosophy. Um, And their division rival just went ahead and hired him instead. Well, he also seemed to be legitimately interested in coming to the Mets, which exactly I I would understand yet. He was, but then you look back and like, when was the last time the Mets actually went out and got the big guy? Well, like, they're still paying Mickey Calloway, so they can't pay another big guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know at this point if it's about money with them. Because, the, I mean, you know, but like, you know, the difference between like a high manager salary and a low manager salary is not, it. it's not all that much in the grand scheme of things. And I just... How they just never seem to be willing to 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 close the deal on anyone of note ever. But there there might be some recency bias in that, but really, like, when was the last time? Yeah. Yeah. They haven't. And the thing with the Mets is like like oh so some of these candidates that they're looking at, like were kind of like hot managerial, like hot up and coming managerial candidates like five years ago. But the, which is like what the Mets are always freaking doing. 
they're always like 10 years behind the times. It's like, ooh, like we've got this newest, like this newest analytic WRC plus. I don't know if people have heard of it. They're always like behind all the other like actually forward thinking organizations because the Mets aren't forward thinking, but they want the fans to think they are. Have you heard this new band, Panic at the Discotheque? Wow. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So edgy. (laughs) Sorry. Well, and then they made such a big show of uh, revamping the front office last year, which, okay, great. They made a big show about it. I'm all for that. But then they hired Chili Davis, who went against analytics. Yeah. And, and, and so and it Mickey seems Calloway. just there, yes. It's so it seems like the front there's still a disconnect between the front office and the on field product. So like figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And like so yeah, and so to me, like the best thing that we can that we as the fans, in my opinion, can hope for in the new manager is that they can they basically to me the Mets manager has two jobs at this point because we can't hope for anything resembling like independence for on-field decisions. So let's take away the on-field managing for a second. I mean, I think that they can do better than Mickey Calloway. They can also do worse, which is a terrifying thought, but I think they can do better than Mickey Calloway as far as like, you know, in-game decisions. But let's take that out of the equation for a minute. Manager needs to be able to do two things. They need to be able to get that clubhouse that the Mets have, which is a pretty damn good clubhouse right now, they need to get that clubhouse to buy in, one, which is a pretty low bar because I think that this clubhouse is pretty bought in to what this they think this team can do. So they need to keep that energy. And two, they need to deal with the New York media. Those are the two bars, basically, that I think that this, like, if, if this manager can deal with the New York media and not lose his clubhouse, that's, like, the bare minimum and, like, that I'm kind of okay with it because at this point the in-game decision making is like going to be dictated by the front office. Well, at the bare minimum, don't threaten to fight reporters. Right. <laughs> yeah. Step one. Step, Step one. one. I'm going to go with don't threaten to fight anybody. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And as far as dudes who could probably do both those things, like it, again, it's really hard because like these would all be rookie managers. So who the hell knows? Like we don't have any track record to base this on so speculating on how on how anyone's in-game decision making would go anyway is kind of foolhardy at this point but as far as dealing with the media and getting the clubhouse to buy in two guys that I think could do that are Carlos Beltran and Eduardo Perez I think both of those guys would be capable of that whether that actually comes to pass is a different matter but I think that they have the skills to do that yeah, I know that's one of the appeals of Perez is since he's been in the media, he knows the other side of it and can navigate it. So I can kind of see him being and he's successful. he's just like a personable dude. Yes, yes. Yeah, he seems like kind of chill. And he's like, every time I've seen him, like, he seems smart when he's talking about baseball. <laughs> right. Like, so, like, that's number one. Like, he um, knows about analytics, but, like, again... The front office is dictating these things. And also, like, who knows how that will actually play out in an in-game situation. Just because you know how to look up something on Fangraphs.com doesn't make you, like, a sabermetrics genius. And also, are they interpreting the analytics correctly? Exactly. Because um, their defensive positioning seems awful. Yeah. 
and <laughs> among other um, things. Yeah, so I don't know if their their numbers are are telling them how to position their players correctly. Yeah. And the other thing, so that was one interesting thing. And the other interesting thing that I've found, uh, other than, like, losing out on Joe Girardi, the other interesting, like, tidbit in this whole search that we can cover quickly before moving on to all the rest of the bullshit we have to talk about <laughs> that doesn't have to do with the Mets um, is... Just the fact that this, the way that this whole thing has gone down through the media this time around has been very different. Like, there just haven't really been leaks, like, as much. And the leaks have been, like, of a different pattern. I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's, we didn't know about all these mystery candidates and they keep, like, cropping up every day randomly. Like, that didn't happen last time. And there's been a lot of, like, mystery surrounding the whole process. Like, and it's it's probably because they don't know what they're doing. But, like, I feel like last time at least, like, we got some random tweets from beat writers about, like, what the front office was even thinking. But this time we have none of those types of tweets. We just have, like, mystery candidate number one, third round of interviews. Here are the guys. Like, it's just, like, and, like, everything's, like, on a delay. Well, and you have contradictory things, too. Right. Like, John Heyman and Andy Martino tweeted the exact opposite things at the exact same time. Which means they're each getting different information from different guys within the either ownership or the front office. Like, so do they not know what they're doing? Do they like does the left hand not know what the right hand is doing? Yeah. Can they not Classic control? Mets. Yeah, can they just not control what's leaking out? Like, all of that just is very concerning. So they've been very like on one hand they've been very like tight-lipped because there hasn't been like much that is leaked out. Like I guess you could say in real time so to speak, because everything's been kind of behind. But, like, when the stuff does leak, it comes later, and it's, like, contradictory information, so it's clear that they have no idea what's going on. And it's just, like, yeah, this is just, like, classic Mets stuff. And, like, I don't know, like, I, like the take that the, like, you know, the edgelord take that I've been, the edgelord Mets Twitter take that I've been seeing is, like, oh, how, like, you're ripping the team now for being thorough. They're not, they, like, Thorough is not what how I would describe this. <laughs> and they've had months. Like, they knew they were firing Mickey. Like, this didn't just happen. You've had months to prepare for this. Yeah, and the Mets acted like they weren't sure if they were firing Mickey Callaway. I think they knew they were firing him, like, right after that reporter incident, and they just oh, decided yeah. to let him finish the season. So, like, and even if even if they weren't 100% sure they were firing him, they knew it was a possibility. So couldn't you just, like, have some internal discussions about, like, if we decide to fire Mickey at the end of the season, here's, here's what we're kind of thinking for our overall philosophy of this thing. Like, what is, like, I still don't know what Brody Van Wagenen wants with the future of this team. He's been GM for a year. So, like, what, like, I still don't understand, like, his... Like, the Mets have no organizational philosophy at all. I mean, I think Brody, um, for all his faults, does want to win and try to go for it. It's just what are the constraints he's working with and how can he accomplish what he wants? Yeah. So I think there is a desire to win, and but I feel like there's probably some arguments in the front office of that of how they go about doing that i mean i have no proof to back it up but that's just the feeling i get well and i mean when it comes to like 
trusting the process when it comes to the Mets. Like, when have the Mets ever warranted anyone? Like, what have they done to earn anybody's trust in all this? Right. Like, how many benefits of the doubt do we need to give these guys? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, once again, prove me wrong, Mets. Yeah. I mean, like... Make a great hire. Right. Like, I don't... It's not like I'm looking at all these candidates and I'm like, oh my god, this is a disaster. Because the like, we cannot, I can't possibly know how any one of these guys would turn out. Because they're all going to be rookie managers again. Just like, I don't think any of us could have known how Mickey Calloway would have turned out. And turned out to be a disaster. But that doesn't mean this next guy is going to be a similar disaster. But like, it's just, it's just frustrating that I feel like it reflects a certain, like, again, lack of cohesive philosophy within the organization. And you're seeing, like, discord between what, either within the front office or, like, between the front office and ownership or both. Well, even before they hired Mickey, I think there was the rumor that um, there was a discord between Fred and Jeff. Like, Fred wanted more old school and Jeff wanted, like, new school. So I'm assuming... That hasn't gone away. They're right. still the same dudes making the same decisions. So, right. so I don't know. They compromised with no school. No school. <laughs> the blandest person possible. No school. Um, or they can always go with the person who lights up a room like Art Howe did. Yeah, right. Oh, God, Art Howe. Whoever has the nicest smile. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's essentially who, like, impresses Fred Wilpon in interviews. Yeah. Is who's going to get it. So who knows? Um, it's good. I mean, the other than like Beltran, just because of the like, you know, history with the team, like any one of the rest of these hires would not make much of a splash, which is fine if it works out. Like, I'm not saying the Mets have to make a splash for it to be a good hire, but like, it just means that like, there's no track record for us to know if it's going to be a good hire. So we're just gonna have to wait and see. And just because it's another first-time manager doesn't necessarily disqualify them. No, no. Like, I'm willing to give another first-time manager a chance, but just make it the right one this time. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I don't know, maybe, like, give him a little freedom to, like, actually make his own choices and show us what kind of manager he is. Oh, what a novel concept. Can't possibly. So, we'll see. You know, they're probably going to hire them, you know, sometime soon, like shortly after the World Series concludes. I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe. Maybe. I like they can't. How many rounds of interviews can they possibly freaking do? Like, why would you ask that question? Yeah, don't even want to know the answer. Yeah, the Mets are like, hold my beer. Challenge accepted. Um, And like, because the problem is now is that like with Joe Girardi, like gone like none of the rest of these guys are like our targets for other teams. So it's not like the Mets like have any impetus to like speed things up here really. So they could take, they'll be here all night. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully this concludes soon. Cause I'm really just like sick of hearing about it for the most part. And you know, I'm at the stage where I don't think the manager really matters all that much because of the micromanaging of the, of ownership and, just get your talking head and put him out there and leave me alone. <laughs> so maybe in two weeks when we record again, we'll be talking about our new Mets manager, Tim Bogar. Probably. 
God, I'm gonna have to come up with an opinion of him, aren't I? Yeah, yeah. Like we have to like like, one of us has to write like a like an opinion piece, like an analysis piece on Amazing Avenue about like Tim Bogart, new manager, and I'm just like, 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 what opinions am I supposed to have about Tim Bogart? I know, like he just seems bland. (laughs) Milk toast white dude number three. Um, (laughs) Cool. (laughs) <laughs> so that's that's the Mets. There's not really much going on with them besides that. Um, so, and I think that we've given that plenty of time already. Oh wait, um, I think in two weeks the the rookie of the year is going to be announced, though. Yay! So yeah, so okay, we all have at least time, something fun to ex- next time to we talk record, about. We'll have an actual like happy like good Mets thing to talk about. So that'll be good. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't let us down. Oh man, I'm gonna be so devastated if it doesn't happen. Oh my gosh, stop talking! Jeez, <laughs> putting so much in the universe. I can't. Podcast over. We're done. <laughs> we jinxed everyone. It's time to fold up and go home. It's been real. It's been real, listeners. We had a good run. We Hashtag had a good run. blame Linda. <laughs> oh, blame yeah. Linda. Don't blame I'll Beltran. Blame that. Linda. All right, I'll t- I'll wear that one. That that was my fault. All right. Um. So we're going to take a quick break, um, and when we get back, we're going to talk about the stuff that has happened since we recorded last, which I'm sure if you are a regular listener of this podcast, you know exactly what stuff we are talking about. So stay tuned for that. And we are back. So it's kind of like we we spent a lot of yesterday and today, the three of us chatting about like how exactly we were going to deal with this segment, because there's just so much that has happened since the last time we recorded and it's hard to even it's going to be a heavy segment because it's hard to even organize my thoughts around how angry I am about all of it um but we will try um the main focus of this segment um and we will talk about some of the other stuff that has happened on future segments don't worry they will get their deference but obviously the main thing that has happened since uh, we last recorded was obviously the whole Astros debacle that happened between the end of the ALCS and now. We are now in game six of the World Series, which the Astros, I believe, are winning at the moment. I haven't even looked. I haven't even, I have not watched a second of this World Series. For nope, the first time neither since have I. 2009. For the first time in 10 years. I have not watched the World Series at all. I mean, I'm not saying that, like, every year I watch every second of it. That's not the case. Like, obviously, most when the Mets aren't playing, which is most years, um, I watch, like, I'll, like, casually watch it, like, an evening while I'm home, like, while I'm, like, doing laundry or other things. Like, that's kind of my World Series watching, generally speaking, when it's not the Mets. But, like, this year I literally have not watched a single second. The Astros are indeed winning. I haven't watched a single inning of the entire playoffs because Ah. (laughs) I mean, we've had, uh, we won't probably talk about all of these, but let's run down the list. We've had the racist Tomahawk champ and the Braves half-assing their apology. Um, We've had the angels and, and their organization saying that their one of their employees gave Tyler Skaggs drugs. We've had the whole Astros stuff. We've had unjuiced balls, rejuiced balls, the baseball not knowing what's going on with the ball, denying everything about the ball. Uh, we've had everything with the Astros, which we will talk about. We've had an umpire threatening civil war with an AK-47. So it's been a pretty 
I don't want to say eventful playoffs, but none of those things makes me want to tune in. Yeah, it's been an on-brand playoffs. True. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you took like all the like cynicism and bullshit I've been feeling about baseball for the past like little while and like concentrated it and like yeah. shot it in my veins. And I'm like, okay, well, that wasn't fun. That wasn't pleasant at all. I didn't like that. Don't do that again. They'll do it again. Um, so, yeah, the main thing that's happened is the whole, like, Astros nonsense. So, Which, like, though- I, there may be some folks listening who, bless their hearts, have not been internet adjacent for a while. So I think maybe we should give a quick recap. Yes. Just to bring everyone up to speed. Yes. So we we it does it does not bring us joy to discuss this, but we have to discuss it. It's important to discuss it. So we're going to. So for those of you who um, perhaps managed to avoid all of this, um, here is a brief timeline of events. So this kind of all began trading deadline 2018. The Astros acquired Roberto Osuna despite his suspension for domestic abuse. They leveraged that and were able to get him on the cheap and he was still eligible for the playoffs because being suspended for domestic violence does not make you ineligible for the playoffs. So they did that. Unlike other unlike other suspensions. PEDs yeah. in particular. Yeah, steroids in particular. Um, and, uh, you know, general drug suspensions. So Astros did that. Obviously, like, people were not happy with it at the time. Um, Osuna has yet to show any remorse for his actions whatsoever. Um, the Astros don't seem to give a shit about acquiring him at all. Um, and, you know, he stayed on the team, and he's been on the team, and, like, you know, there have been occasional, like, redemptive arc stories written about him and kind of fizzled from the headlines, as these things sadly do. Um, so fast forward to now. Um we are, you know, the Astros won the ALCS over the Yankees. Um, and during that whole celebratory post game, the uh, assistant GM, Brandon Taubman, yelled at a group of female reporters, Thank God we got Ozuna. I'm so fucking glad we got Ozuna. Over and one over. Of which, one of which who was wearing a domestic violence awareness bracelet. Yes. As if that wasn't bad enough, we found out later. So when we first found out about this, it was kind of just like, there was a room full of there was a room of reporters there happened to be three women and he was screaming it at them but then we later found out that one of them was wearing a domestic violence awareness bracelet and she in particular has been very outspoken about this issue in the past um on twitter and elsewhere and so and he had complained about it in the past like this was not a this is not a lucky coincidence for him so essentially we learned this was a targeted incident he was specifically like zeroing in on her singling her out and yelling at her and the two other women that were near her yelling this at them repeatedly screaming it and so stephanie apstein of sports illustrated who was not the reporter that was wearing the bracelet but was one of the women that was there um wrote a story about the incident and published it the astros released a team statement well, before they her... declined, they declined comment, and then they didn't make Talbin available for yeah. comment. Yeah, in the immediate aftermath, they were like, "No comment." Also, we're not making Talbin available in the media. They later, I guess, like the next day, um, 
released a team statement that essentially accused her of fabricating the story and gaslighted her and said, you know, that's not what happened. You made this up. <laughs> um, and yes, an event that happened in a crowded room full of other journalists right who make a career out of seeing what's going on around them and making note of it and i just like that's what's so kind of gross and blatant about all this to me is like who did they think they were kidding did they just did they honestly expect that this room full of journalists would just shrug and be like yeah i don't know not my business whatever like because it's what else, I don't know what they thought they were going to get away with. Well, and then they said, oh, according to our investigation, it was an employee defending a player. Who did you speak to? Just Tobman and that's it? They basically yeah. it Nobody would have corroborated that. I mean, Jeff, Jeff Passan wrote an article like that basically said that, you know, according to their investigation, he like. He only he they only talk to other Astros people, so of course that's what they're gonna say. That's what yeah. that's what Jeff reported in the article that the initial investigation involved only other Astros people. Yeah, so of course they're not gonna say, or or they probably spoke to him. It's like, no, that's not what happened. Okay, we believe you. Yeah, like, but why even don't you like, even if they genuinely like. Even if they good faith believed that this is truly how it went down, what I just don't understand is how, is even so, how do you phrase it like that? How do you, how do you flat out accuse a like well-established reporter for a respected publication of fabricating a story? That's, enormous it's a huge thing to accuse somebody of right and like what what blows my mind is like they don't even think for two seconds about like what could possibly be in it for her to make something like that up well i think they were just everything that oozes out of that organization is smugness and they know better so I think in their mind, they either A, didn't do anything wrong, or B, just just thought, oh, didn't think it would get blown up like it did because they're the Astros. They do everything right. They're winning ball games. Like, how can anybody question what they do and don't do? Like, how dare you write a slanderous piece about us? Well, and it'll blow over, which, yes. like, let's be because real. On it the field, we every... And it did for every single person involved, except for Taubman, who I'm sure will have a job at like his uncle's brokerage firm like next week or whatever. Like that's I'm not particularly convinced that the world is going to dish out uh, appropriate consequences to this finance bro. But whatever. Okay, so he did get fired eventually. But like, did anyone else involved in the organization have any consequences? No, no, none. And I think Crane said he signed off on the. Was it Crane or Lunau who said he saw the the statement that went Lunau. off? Yeah, Lunau. Yeah. So why are there no consequences for that? You flat out lied. Yeah, and like when you like and going back to the original like statement, how could they do something so blatant when you're when you have a room full of people who have never had to face a single consequence for anything they have ever done in their lives? That's exactly the shit that's going to spew out. Like. 
we can just lie because no one will care. Yeah, because everybody in charge of policing them would have done the same thing. Right. And And also, this is the world we live in now. Like, this is the first step for everything. It's literally like, you, you did this bad thing. And the response is, no, we didn't. And then it's like, well, actually, multiple people saw you do the bad thing. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, we did the thing, but it's not actually bad, though. <laughs> like, that's well, how the discourse goes down every time now. And then eventually it'll be like, yeah, it was bad, but also I don't care. But also who cares? Yeah, because yeah. The, she had a beg for a retraction. It, right. the, the retraction didn't come until, like, days later. And that was only after she met with him and said, hey, how can I get my retraction? What do you think? And also, Luna was like, oh, I haven't been able to apologize to her. I've been traveling. When she was in the room. Right there. Yeah. So, okay. So, we're going to go back. So, okay. Here's here's more of the timeline. So, the initials, there was the initial statement where they were like, you're making this up. It didn't happen. Then... That obviously, as we as we said, this was a room full of journalists, not just these three women. These three women just happened to be the women he was yelling in their face. But there were other people in the room. And so multiple witnesses, including reporters from the Houston Chronicle. So like the local paper, because that was another like narrative on the part of like Astro's Twitter was like, oh, this is the like the like elitist New York media, like making this into a thing when it isn't okay. Your local, your journalists from your local paper now are saying this um, corroborated Epstein's version of events. So that happened. And then the Astros realized that they couldn't just straight up continue to say that it wasn't true. Cause they realized that there were enough witnesses that saw it. So they released another set of statements, one each from Taubman and owner Jim Crane. So Taubman's, like statement was this was wild you guys I should probably just read it yeah I'm just gonna read it because I like I can't properly capture in like my paraphrasing like how bad this is okay this past Sunday during our clubhouse celebration I used inappropriate language for for which I am deeply sorry and embarrassed in retrospect I realized my comments were unprofessional and inappropriate my over exuberance in support of a player has been misinterpreted as a demonstration of a regressive attitude about an important social issue those who know me know that I am a progressive and charitable member of the community and a loving and committed husband and father I hope that those who do do not know me understand that sports that the sports illustrated article does not reflect who I am or or my values. I'm sorry if anyone was offended by my actions. Oh, oh boy. Well, the first thing he apologizes for is using the word fuck. Which is not the reason anybody's upset. Yeah, it was really the yeah. inappropriate language, brah. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it, why we're mad. You said fuck. Oh, really no. Oh, the heart. Let me fuck. clutch my pearls. No, that's not why anyone is mad. So there's like so many things wrong with this. So <laughs> no one's mad because you said fuck. That's that's thing number one. Second thing is that I am a good husband and father. Like, that's supposed to be some sort of excuse. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's also the, like... You know who else is a husband and father? Ozuna. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always the thing on Facebook, too. Like, when it's always a douche bro on, I mean, on, um... On Twitter. Twitter, it's always the loving husband, father to two girls, and then yeah. a Bible verse. Yeah. Like that's all Talbin's thing was missing was Jesus. Saint, oh no, I don't know if he's Catholic, but like that's all you're missing is the religious connotation. After that, is like the yeah the Bible, or like USA, the Bible verse. With the, yeah, 
I mean, what it came down to is he was not sorry for any of the actual things that he did. It was an um, apology. It was, yeah, I mean, he just, he literally wasn't sorry. He never apologized. It was nothing. Also, I don't think the word progressive means what he thinks it means. Nope. No. And if like, he's sorry your feelings got hurt, he's yeah, not that's, sorry. Yeah, that's thing yeah. number three here. So thing number one is, like, he thinks that the thing that's offending people is his language when that's not true. Number two is the loving husband and father, which is literally like a meme. And thing number three is, I am sorry if anyone was offended by my actions. That's not how you apologize for stuff. <laughs> no. And then, of course, he's like, oh, anybody who knows me knows. Yeah, but your actions spoke differently, like, repeatedly, too, because you complained about her tweeting about domestic violence in the past. Like, your actions speak a lot louder than your words did. I'm sorry if anyone was offended. No, that's not how you say you're sorry. You say, can't even make that up. up. And did he apologize to the women? No, no. He just released a statement. I don't think they ever gotten a like a direct apology from, from him. him. So and yeah. like, free time now if he wants to punch one out. Yeah. And like we've said this too, like the fact that the Mets actually handled Vargas threatening to fight a reporter well. Like Jeff Wilpon called Tim Healy to apologize personally. The fact that the Astros were worse handling this than the Mets. Yeah, like says Lord. something. It's because they all agree with him. That's just it. Like, that's what it comes down to. Nobody's really sorry that he said he's so glad that they got Azuna because they are all so glad that they got Azuna. Like, that's it's that's the problem with expecting teams like this to police themselves is that they're they all end up falling victim to the same amoral bullshit. Well, that's why, like. Yes, Taubman had to get fired, but they're just going to hire a dude that has the same philosophy, the same the same culture is going to get perpetuated. Like nothing's going to change. No. Cuz as soon as everyone else started talking about it, it became perfectly clear that the reason they weren't inclined to hold him responsible is because they don't think he did anything wrong. Nope. Right. Right. And they're not going to start thinking he did something wrong just because they were forced to fire their little puppy dog. Right. Like Their initial response, like, we can never forget that their initial response was always to gaslight. That was their first response. Like The thing that you remember seeing, you didn't really see it. Right. The only reason that he got fired was because they got caught in a lie. They were forced to do it by the immense public backlash and the fact that, like, basically they, like, got caught red-handed lying. Like, if no, if there were no other reporters in the room besides those three women, he would not be fired right now. He would absolutely not be fired right now. And none of these other subsequent events would have occurred. It just would have been the initial statement and saying, you made that up. You didn't see that. That's not what happened. You misinterpreted that. Well, and also I think the lying... Kind of because a lot of other reporters, which, you know, I can rightfully so because it is their livelihood. um, They were kind of going after like you slandered a reporter, which, yes, that was awful. But then everybody kind of forgot what the initial problem was. Right. (laughs) You you 
we're totally disregarding a serious, serious issue and belittling a serious issue and targeting women. Like one of them felt threatened to the point that another staffer had to apologize to the group. Like that to me is the more egregious issue here is that he threatened, he basically threatened a group of women and then they compounded the problem by lying about it, but the journalists kind of just focused more on the lying than the initial yelling incident. Right, exactly. And like, and so paired with the Taubman statement, there was the statement from Jim Crane, which was basically like, we promise we care about domestic violence because we gave money to these charities. Yes, and this also goes back to when they first traded for Azuna and Luno said that we're going to learn from this and we're going to turn this into a positive. Now, here we are. Is this a positive? Has it been spun into a positive or else was that all bullshit? Just like your zero tolerance policy was. Yep. It's all lip service and bullshit. It's like, just don't bullshit us. Don't say you have this We're not stupid. In the words of my dad, don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That is just like right. an unbelievably dad thing to say, but it is It's so a true. Plus. Yep. There's a reason why these things stick around. <laughs> so it's just like it was unbelievable to watch this unfold in real time because like not only was it infuriating and upsetting and like it was just like like they just kept digging themselves deeper and deeper and deeper. It's like, is there a single freaking person around you that can be like, maybe this is bad? That's why, like, dig up, stupid. Dig up, stupid. This whole or like it just goes to show how this whole organization is, and every major league baseball organization. Let's be real. Like, this is one point I just want to throw out there into the world because I also saw a lot of like. And, and I get that it's coming from a good place. I understand it's coming from a good place when people reacted so harshly to this Astros thing and were like, oh, go Nationals and like became national stands. Like, I get it. And I'm not saying that I'm not accusing anybody of anything. But what I am saying is I would I would just I would urge caution in that situation. I would urge you to be careful because trying to look for a moral alternative is a losing venture. Well, I even tweeted that, like, um, when the story first broke, I was like, this is why I'm not watching, because there are no heroes. There's only villains. Yep. And Sean Doolittle can be a hero. He's the only one. I'll let Sean Doolittle be the hero. So, I mean, i guilty, because I am all on Team Nationals right now. I just... I just need it to not be the Astros. I just need to not see that team celebrating this right now. I just, I can't, I don't have it in me. Well, even there was a, it was an ESPN article. I'm pretty sure it was Jeff Passan. Um, And he spoke to a player and they said, um, this isn't about the assholes in the front office. This is about us, but it is about you. You're part of the organization. I know it's not fair, but you can't just ignore this because this is how the culture gets perpetuated. Like, Ozuna's your teammate, whether you like it or not. This all stemmed from him 
um, from the trade that none of them spoke out about. And this is, and the culture just keeps going and going and going. And this is what it leads to. It leads to more women being harassed. It leads to, you know, and I believe we even talked about this the last time, like public shaming can do so much. Like right. if, or if like their peers said something <laughs> and just, you can't just wipe your hands up and say, well, that had nothing to do with me because earlier in the article, Alex Bregman gave Talman a hug and said, we're here because of you. So when good things happen, it's because of him. But when bad things happen, it's not because of him. You can't have it both ways. And this is what's so frustrating about this is that it takes pu- the public to be the voice here. And it doesn't come from within and it hasn't come from within. And that's how it seems like nobody cares. And that's kind of heartbreaking as a fan to to watch yeah i do need to give just a quick i just want to give a quick note that um justin verlander was pretty outspoken relatively speaking i mean certainly i think he he there was more public pushback from him against the ozuna acquisition than i've ever seen from another player um in that there was any pushback at all uh, now that largely went quiet pretty Mm -hmm. soon after he came around. I don't know if he just felt that there, that it wasn't getting anywhere. I don't know if he was asked to stop, you know, it's, I don't know but, what the circumstances were, but, but I do just, just want to. He's right, like, but what, I also, what have the consequences been? But if I just feel speaking. like if we're if we're gonna hold yeah. everyone responsible for their misbehaviors, then I do want to give Verlander just some props for having had the guts to say something at all because usually nobody says anything. Radio silence. Yeah, but like, where is he right now? Right. Yeah. Well, that's you know. No, because they can't worry about. Yeah, they can't worry about the assholes in the front office. It's about them. That's where they are now. Yeah, and it's just like yeah. So to make my like to make my stance perfectly clear here, the entire league is complicit in this. The Astros were simply the organization that got caught and had a horrible like PR team involved. But let's be real. This attitude, these 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 beliefs, this culture, this is not unique to the Astros at all. <laughs> your organization probably your favorite organization probably has these same attitudes. And trying to find good guys in this situation in these front offices is a losing venture. Like, I, root for the players on the field. Absolutely. Sean Doolittle's a good guy. Root for him on the field. Alex Bregman's a good guy. Root for him on the field. Root for the players. But, like, don't... <laughs> I think that, you know, we we fall into a trap when we try to take the high, uh, the high and mighty road pretending that our organization would not do something like this. The Mets organization would do something like this. <laughs> they would. They yeah. simply would. I'm sorry. Like, they would. Well, they bought Reyes back. They, they did brought Reyes back. <laughs> they would have brought him back again if he could do anything on a baseball field. They sure oh, yeah. would. And they still might retire his number. Don't put that oh, out of God. consideration. They might. They would make him the manager if they could. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I've been waiting for the bombshell the candidate to be Jose Sorry, Reyes. Sorry, that's my bad. <laughs> Don't put that one on me. <laughs> I've been waiting for the bombshell candidate to be Jose Reyes. Oh, Jesus. Oh. God help us all. 
just but like something tweeted, oh, um, all this makes me feel sorry. I wasn't rooting for the Yankees, and that's hard to do. The Yankees did the same exact thing. They benefited off yeah. Chapman. So don't don't go down that road. They leveraged like, the Chapman's domestic to- violence <laughs> suspension to, you know, they got him on the cheap from the Reds, and then they turned that into Glavier Torres. Let's not. like <laughs> They benefited twice off Chapman, not just once. Yeah. So, and yeah. they're the ones who originally went down this road. Yeah. So, so no, the Yankees are not innocent either. They're, like I said, there are no vill- there are no heroes, only villains in this. Yeah, it's it's depressing as hell. Well, well, and then I've read a couple articles. Um, one was from the New Yorker, and I think it was Passant too, saying the Orioles because they're so analytically heavy. Um, they don't they don't see the player; they just see assets and um. They just saw Ozuna as an asset. Like, he mm-hmm. was a cheap asset and not a person. And, you know, and the, how did they conduct it more as, like, business and numbers and just crunching numbers. And Tobman said, I don't even want to go down there because I don't want to get to know the player. I only want to know, like, the stats on the page, basically. I don't think it was in that language, but that was what he was implying. And so, like... Is this where we're headed? Is that everybody's just their numbers? There's no human element anymore, which is why, like, I know ro- robot ump- umpires have gotten a lot of, you know, duh, like, people have been calling for that. But, you know, the human element is what makes baseball beautiful. Like, it, there, you try, you fail, you, you know, you try again. Uh, and you know sometimes you don't get it right sometimes it's not perfect but which one of us does and i'm not ready for everything just to be a robot and to be stats and to take the human element out because this is where it goes you completely ignore everything like domestic violence is acceptable then what next where's the limit so (laughs) i i don't think like i think you can do both I think you could keep the keep the human element in the game and not completely ignore horrible things people do. And I think you can also rejoice when people do good things like Doolittle. So like if Doolittle gives up a home run, does that mean he's total garbage now? And like the stats are saying he's total garbage, he shouldn't be on a team. Like, but Doolittle's fun. I would love the Mets to get him. So, I don't know. I think there needs to be a balance of both because this is kind of a scary, scary way that baseball is operating right now. Yep. I th- Like, we're already there. That's yeah. the sad thing. We're there already. Like, and I, I, we've said this a few times on the show before, but I think that this emphasizes it more than ever. Like, this is what happens when you fill front offices with finance bros. Like, yep. Dudes who just see these things as stat sheets and like, yeah. Will Curtis Granderson not get a job next year? Probably not. Well, yeah. Well, half of the, like we had Keiko. He almost didn't get a job. Kimbrel they almost didn't get a job, like because that's what the stats are telling them. And I, I mean, we had a conversation about this. I think it was in like the um, the Patreon Discord for for all you kids out there, our friends of the, our our pod friend of the pod, um, 
And we were talking about how, like, uh, this exact thing about filling front offices with, like, basically these, like, like these Yale stat slash finance bros. And, like, the effects that that has. And people were like, why? Like, someone said, I will never understand why someone would sympathize with these people over a player. And I was like, it's because when you look at how, when you look at the players and like their performances, you can't possibly imagine yourself hitting a ball that's coming at you at 95 miles an hour. But when you look at these front office dudes building these teams, sitting at their computers, looking at stats and crunching the numbers, you think that could be me. So yeah. that's how this happens is people sympathize more with these people that are in the back offices building the teams and they actually sympathize with the players. They dehumanize the player. Talpin had his background in playing fantasy baseball. That's how he got noticed. Yeah, I mean, don't even get me started about the the ties to the rotten finance industry that have been building in baseball for years now. Yep. Yep. It's just it's the same culture there that it then they're bringing that in into baseball. And this is the result. This is the result is they become utterly morally corrupt and concerned only about not concerned about winning baseball games. That's for sure. And also, yeah, what are they using these cold, hard stats for? Is it winning or is it to save ownership money? Saving money. Yep. (laughs) That's what it's about. It's about having a marginally good enough baseball team to put asses in the seats but you don't have to win. You just have to be I mean, good enough. You don't even need asses in the seats most of the time. Yeah, true. The Marlins are a profitable franchise. Yep. They And they are terrible. Every time they get almost good, they blow it all up again. They, yep. they're, you know, Their attendance numbers speak for themselves, and yet they are a profitable franchise. And the system has been built. And I mean, they built their, the system themselves. This, this like government enforced monopoly has built its own league in which they pay themselves for just showing up 162 games. And what actually happens to those games is immaterial. And the, the system needs to have like the system of incentives needs to change in order to, create a competitive spirit again because right now that's not where the incentive is yep and uh, but i realize like this also does not exactly line up with what we were just saying about how they went out and got ozuna you know to make the team better but they also got ozuna because he was cheap and if they cost him money they cost if he cost them money he might not have been there no matter what so i mean yeah Exactly. And, and then, of course, you know, we had the the new puff piece on, oh, Ozuna feels so bad that his name is back in the spotlight. Oh, like, yeah. Fuck you, Ozuna. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and like yeah, can we stop? Just can nobody interview him, please. Nobody gives a shit what he has to say. I'm done. He's and, like, very sad that people say mean things about him. Be oh, still fucking who? Mm. And like... <laughs> And here's the thing. Maybe too. all that abusive therapy he had to go through, I am sure, will help him cope with this. 
Oh, whoops! I said the I said the f word. I'm sincerely sorry. Um, for anybody who was offended by my language. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oops. Sorry for Oops. the offensive language on this podcast because we realize that that's what's important here. Um, <laughs> we're sorry your feelings got hurt. Yeah, we're, we're very sorry if you were offended. I'm Ozuna. I'm sorry if you were offended. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't be a snowflake. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that's the thing too. It's not just like. It's not just Osuna himself, like that. So Osuna himself is clearly treating this as like, you know, oh man, my name's in the papers again. Darn it, what an inconvenience. And like, but that's kind of how the like many Astros fans have treated this. Like, I'm not, and mm-hmm. I know it's hashtag not all Astros fans. I know that it's like, you can't paint broad brushstrokes of an entire fan base because there are bad fans in every fan base. But the segment of the the Astros fan base that is you know more sympathetic toward the front office and doesn't think that this sort of thing is a big deal there even the people who do like think it's like are upset by it are like are only upset by it in the sense that it's like oh this is so annoying we have to deal with this when we're in the world series and we should be excited that we're in the world series and now we have to deal with this like it's an inconvenience instead of like a serious moral failing of your organization uh-huh. Yeah, that's why they're like, oh, just this is about us. It's not about them. No, you don't get to separate yourself. You just don't. Yeah. Like, I I was disappointed with the way that Crawfish Boxes covered this. Very disappointed. Like, did they I, ever write anything? They wrote they wrote something. But and it was and there were parts of it that were good. But like, a <laughs> it was it was written from it was written in the first person by a male writer. So it it kind of rubbed me the wrong way in the sense that it's like me as a fan. It's like me as a male fan. <laughs> like like it's kind of like, you know, what? Oh. couldn't you find one woman to write this? But they can't because I looked on their masthead and they do not employ any women at crawfish boxes. So it's too bad that no women like baseball. Yeah. No. So it's just like, I don't know, like, cover this better. Don't treat it as, like, an inconvenience. Even when you're trying really hard to, like, acknowledge the seriousness of the issue, which the article did try. Like, he talked about that, like, you know, it's, like, that it was bad. (laughs) Like, at least he went that far. But, like, don't treat it as an inconvenience to your fan base leading into the World Series and, like, you'd rather not be paying attention to this. You'd rather be, like, watching the World Series. Like, treat it with the seriousness it deserves call out your organization when they're doing shitty things don't call out other organizations and then when it's your organization turn silent that's when you need to be the loudest when it's your team doing the bad things like when the Mets brought back Jose Reyes that's when I screamed the most and I if they do something like that again you best believe I will be even more upset than I am now or if they decide to retire his number or bring him in as a coach or we will scream on this podcast about it a lot and just like i don't know like center the voices of the people who should be talking about this like you know i don't know anyway (laughs) so that's the astros bullshit there's a lot of other stuff that has happened that linda went through very briefly that we will cover on future pods we promise because there's a lot of other stuff that deserves deference that's kind of all connected in a weird way to this stuff because it's all about like 
Major League Baseball being, like, controlled by these attitudes. So, yeah. But we will cover these other topics on future pods. And we have guests that will help us. So that will be good. Um, You won't just hear us screaming into the void. Um, So uh, we will take another break because I think y'all probably need a break as much as we do at this point. And when we get back, we will finish the show on a happy note as we always do with walk-off wins. So stay tuned for that. Okay. Um, So this week, probably more than any other week since... I don't know, when we had that, like, come to Jesus about our Mets fandom, <laughs> we need walk-off wins, uh, where each of us is talking about what makes us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise, because even when baseball is making us unhappy, there are always things in life that make us happy. So, Maggie, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, so, my walk-off win is that on Saturday, I took the family to the Big Apple Circus And I'd never been to that circus before. I hadn't been to any circus in probably like 20 plus years. Um, And it was really an amazing experience. It was was much smaller. Like I think the last one I'd been to was like Barnum and Bailey, three ring bonanza type thing. And this is a one ring circus. I think they, they can fit like a thousand or so people into the, to the space. It's, it's a small it's a small space, but it's the, I mean, the, the performances were amazing and, um, and they're very careful with the animal acts that they have. They have very few animal acts and they're all domesticated animals, like a very, it's, it's all on the up and up animal wise. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just a really, really good show. And they, they have, um, they've targeted performances for for, uh, families with special needs. So if that's something that you're looking for, they are there for you. In fact, I think they, um, they have a, an autism friendly performance Saturday, this coming Saturday, November, whatever the heck day that is first, second, second. Um, so yeah, I just, the kids loved it. They were even, uh, Ellie, who is two and a half, uh, she was transfixed the entire, like it was about an hour and a half total. She just could not look away. And, and it was great. And, and like, there was, there were, you know, were flying trapeze artists and a guy doing backflips on a horse. And, um, uh, there was an, there was an acrobat who used a wheelchair and just a great diversity of, of types of performers and, you know, demographics of performers. It was just, it was just a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I like A plus Big Apple Circus. Check it out, man. So that's that was ours. And yeah, this the kids had a great time. And now uh Tommy, who is five and takes gymnastics, he says that he wants to be on the flying trapeze, which like, Aww. okay, like please give my heart like a little time to recover from for that kind of thing. Cause like I'm not ready. But um <laughs> yeah, it was just really it was a great way to spend an afternoon. I would highly, highly recommend it to anybody. Yay, circus. That does sound like fun. I've never been to the circus. You Ooh, should you should go. You should go. I should. You make it sound like so much fun now. <laughs> I've been, but not since I was a kid. Yeah, I mean I really had to have been ten or younger the last time I went. Like I was young. Yeah. I've been to Cirque du Soleil. Does that count? Kinda. Kinda. I've also been to Cirque du Soleil. 
It is very cool. It is cool. It's very cool. Linda, what is your walk-off win for this week? My walk-off win? um, Okay, I have to confess. I've never been on an airplane. And last week, I I can't even remember. I finally survived my first airplane ride. Yay! to, (laughs) To Florida. Um... And it was, it was exciting. Um, we left out of LaGuardia, so we, I said goodbye to City Field as we were taking off, and then we landed in Miami, and then like twenty minutes, maybe not even, from the airport, we drove past Marlins Park. I was like, oh, hello, Marlins. Um, but I was like terrified. I'm like, I'm going to be that person that gets sick or I'm going to be that person you hear about on the news that freaks out and is like running in the aisles, like crazy lady on the plane that needed to be handcuffed. (laughs) Um, but I thought it was exciting and our flight was delayed, uh, leaving out of LaGuardia and they're like, oh, we have to wait for a pilot because you kind of need to pilot to take off. Um, so we were waiting, and then all of a sudden, I hear applause. Like, oh, our pilot's here, and it was a woman. I was like, yeah. yeah. I was like, you know, she's badass. I was like, okay, we're in good hands. Like that made me feel so much better when I saw it was her. And um, so yeah, I went to Florida. We had good weather. It was eighty-six degrees the entire time. Mm, um, yeah. yeah, it was, but it was a little humid. It was a little muggy. Not gonna lie, um, but. We were saying, like, it's so unfair. This is the same Atlantic Ocean. Why does it look like this down here? And why is it, like, brown in New York? (laughs) Like, it's still the Atlantic. Why do we get the short stick? Why don't we get, like, the clear blue blue water that you could just walk right into? Um, But, yeah. So, that was kind of fun. And, um, like, now that I know I can survive a plane ride, I think, like, I want to travel more. And... Yeah, see see where else I want to go now. Because, yeah, once you get the travel bug, I feel like that's it. There's no going back now. But, I mean, my bank account might beg to differ. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, so I, it was a quick trip to Florida. Oh, it was Columbus Day weekend. Um, we left Saturday and came back Monday. And the flight was really super early. And we had to be up at 4.30. And I can't remember the last time I've ever been up at 4.30. <laughs> So that was kind of hard, but other than that, it was a it was a nice little little weekend getaway. Yeah, I like flying. I actually enjoy it. I mean, like I don't enjoy the whole like airport experience. Who does? But like the actual like being in the plane, I you, enjoy. Yeah, when you hear like the engines rev, you're like, oh man, here we go! Like yeah. this is it! Like I was, I just thought that was so cool. And then seeing the city from up above and. Um, we caught the flight out of Miami at 7 a.m. So we, we saw the sunrise in the air, basically. That's so really that, cool. yeah, that was really cool. So I was like, wow, like it just, it, the, the science behind it all, like, because you, you can see, you know, on the plane, like, oh, it's negative 47 degrees out your window and yet we're fine. Like just how people engineered this when they had, before there were planes, like how did they even think to, to do all this it just kind of boggles my mind yeah feats of human engineering it's pretty cool yeah i just went to i i I just was on a plane recently because i went to houston um for a conference and that was pretty cool because i've like never been to houston before so it's always cool to get to see a new place but also like up until this whole astros debacle this was pre all of that 
it was cool to like you know be in a city where there it was during the ALCS so it was cool being in a city like with a playoff atmosphere you know I mean they were actually away during the time that I was like there during the few days that I was there is when they were in New York like playing the Yankees in New York but like it was still cool to see like you know Astros flags on every house and like people like wearing their like caps to the conference like wearing their like conference attire but with like an Astros hat it was just cool like it's always cool to see an entire city get hyped up like that because like being a Mets fan from New York you know like New York has two different teams obviously so like it's not it's not ever like the whole city behind one team usually it sport. kind of felt like that in 2015, though. It did. Because the Yankees were having a down, like, they're, they're like, 45-minute downswing. But um, <laughs> I thought yeah, that they was They got eliminated fun. in the wild card that year, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, was that the year they played Keiko in the wild card game and got eliminated, like, right away? Yes, that sounds right. <laughs> Yeah. It's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, but yeah, so their their playoffs were a hot second, basically. Yeah, but it was a it it definitely felt the city felt like it was more full of Mets fans than usual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed that. And like and obviously, the- like New York's a really big place, so like when the Mets are the team in the playoffs, like all the Mets fans come out, and that's like more people than there are in the city of Houston, right? So like, it's still yeah. a lot. Of people, but like it, it, it just was cool. Like, occasionally I do get pretty envious of like the one, the one team cities because like it's just cool to see like everyone rooting for the team. So, anyway, that was my Houston trip. That's not my walk off win though. That was a diversion. Sorry, everyone. Um, so my walk off win for this week is um, this past weekend um, was uh, University of Delaware's homecoming, um, and today is my birthday so that's exciting um and homecoming for delaware is always right around my birthday which is also always right around halloween so it tends to take on this like big like multi-purpose party atmosphere um so every year like all my college friends and i get back together at delaware during homecoming um and we go to the football game we tailgate the football game and everything um which is the only time i ever watch football um and then we have like a big um like the football game is usually during the day it'll be like a either like a 1 p.m game or like a 3 p.m game some years and so we'll tailgate like in the morning and then we'll go to the football game and then we'll, and then at night we have like this big Halloween party that like often doubles as my birthday party. Um, so uh, and our Halloween parties are themed because my friends and I are super extra and I love everything about it. Um, so this year our theme was um, Hey Arnold. Um, so we were each different characters from Hey Arnold and it was the result was pretty fantastic. I put the pictures on Twitter. So if you guys want to check out the pictures of all of us, all me and all my friends in our costumes, um, you can check it out on my Twitter. It's, it, I thought they turned out pretty great. Um, and it was just a great night all around. Um, yeah. So Michael and I were, <laughs> were the, were Arnold's grandparents and we won the costume contest. So that was exciting. Yay. Um, Yay. So it was just a fun, happy weekend, just hanging out with my friends, having a Halloween party, you know, general merriment. It was just a, it was a lovely weekend. So, and then, you know, tonight is my actual birthday. And so I went out to a nice low key dinner with my parents and my best friend at like my favorite restaurant. It was just very pleasant. And so, you know, it's been a good birthday. So that's my walk-off win for this week. Um, so, yeah. 
at least we're ending that podcast on a happy note as usual um because the rest of it wasn't so great but um we have plenty of other exciting pods in store for you we'll cover a lot more of the other stuff that we just like didn't have time to cover on this show because a lot has happened but we will cover them and we will have really fun guests uh, on to give their perspective on these things um but in the meantime, while you're waiting for the next pod of their own, you can go to AmazingAvenue.com, check out all of our fantastic content. We still have, you know, while the World Series is going on, we still have game threads every night for every game. If you are one of the people watching the World Series and want to follow along with other folks watching, we have that. We have our um, season review series still going strong. For We have articles coming out about every Met. Pretty soon we're going to start shifting to free agent profiles um, for potential um Mets free agent signings um, and of course we're going to continue to cover the whole managerial hiring process so you can go to amazingavenue.com for all of that content um, you can follow Amazing Avenue on all the social medias Twitter Facebook Instagram at Amazing Avenue you can follow the show on Twitter at a pod of their own you can follow each of us on Twitter I am at petite PhD where are you Linda at Linda Service and you Maggie at Maggie 162 so you can follow the show and each of us on Twitter. Um, you can subscribe to Amazing Avenue Audio on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original music for this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in the podcast.